So tell me if this sounds like you. Every quarter, you look at your 401k balance and you only wonder, is this going to be enough? Am I at least getting close to retirement? Or maybe you even took a little extra initiative and you Googled, how much do I need to retire? Only to find a different answer at every different website or different article. It's loaded with confusing words and tons of ads. And if you're like many of the people I've talked to, every time you try to think about retirement, you just get overwhelmed, confused, and you end up wanting to pour a drink. And you might feel like you're lost trying to figure out retirement and you just wish there was some sort of map. Well, guess what? I created one. It's called Your Early Retirement Map and it's a simple four-part checklist to get you retired ASAP. That's right, retired as soon as possible. I wanted to clear the confusion around retiring and design a formula that you can follow without getting overwhelmed with anxiety. All you have to do is check the boxes on the checklist. And here's the best part. It's completely free. If you follow the link in the show notes and give us your name and your email address, we'll send you the PDF right now. If you go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map, or you click the link below, we'll send it to you for free. No strings attached. You get it in your inbox right away. So if you're tired of all the confusion surrounding your retirement, then you need to go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map and get your checklist right now. It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike and with me I have my co-host Brad Fike. The one and only. Welcome, Brad. Now, today, this is probably one of your favorite topics. So as many of you listeners know, we've been going through a series that we call the Retire ASAP Process, but really what we're talking about is seven different hurdles that you have to overcome on your way to retirement. Um, and this one is a very timely one that we're talking about, and this uh, this hurdle is all about behavior and behavior in your retirement plan. And so for a lot of people, they're going, oh, great, he's going to tell me not to panic, not to worry about this, not to worry about that. And are they even in tune with what's going on? Like, are they watching the news? Do they know these things? But the reality is when we look at portfolios and we look at retirement plans, one of the major, major hurdles is not the investments themselves. It's not being in the right place at the right time. It's actually combating your emotions and staying in the market when it doesn't feel like it's a good time to stay in the market. Because historically, long-term investment returns have been better for most clients than trying to time the market. And so this is one of Brad's favorite topics. I know he loves and loves and loves and loves talking about behavior. Well, of course, because I have such perfect behavior, I can criticize everyone else. It's funny because I've talked to enough of our clients who knew Brad when he was younger to know that his behavior is far, far, far from perfect. Hey, now. (laughs) But anyway. It's always been good. Come on. Always been good. But anyway, so what I want to talk about is behavior, especially right now, because I think one of the largest conversations going on, and maybe across the world, but definitely here in the United States, is the presidential election. Have you heard anything about the presidential election? I didn't even know there was an election going on because guess what? I don't have the news on in my house. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have it on. You hear it everywhere. You you see it everywhere. It's a piece of everything. Even, even now you can't watch a football game without a political ad. 
Well, that's true. And even the basketball court uh, and NBA, you know, you just got to keep reminding that there is a political unrest going on at this particular time. And I guess I understand that, you know, voting is important and getting our opinions and our voices out there is really important. But at the same time, it is an unavoidable thing to know that there is turmoil in the United States specifically around who is going to be our president come November or whenever that election's all going to be wrapped Could up. Could be January. Anyhow, you know what's funny is that the uh, news media acts like this is never, that this country's never had unrest politically or any kind of crisis in the past. Like, this is the only one that's ever happened, and, and we're all going to die, and the world's going to end when it's over. Yeah, well, it feels like to me, now I'm a little bit younger, but it feels like to me this might be one of the most controversial elections in a long time in my lifetime. But I look back and I go, there's got to be other ones. Because I look at the time of like when the United States was in the Civil War, why would there not be major controversy around an election there? You know, Abraham Lincoln probably wasn't everyone's favorite president, considering he basically defeated the South in a war and then made them give up one of their largest, you know, economical benefits being um, the, the slave trade. He couldn't have been a very popular president for many business owners back then. And then I look at other times like the civil rights movement and we look at all kinds of different stuff. World War One and Two, those types of things. Like, there, are you trying to tell me that there's no other controversy in history that's as big as what we're going through right now? I just I have a hard time believing it. Yeah, and I was uh, a child in the 60s when there was massive protests going on around the country. And most any of us that are 60 or older probably remember that. And um, you look at the unrest and the burning and the riots and the fighting, and there was killings back then. Uh, shootings. I'm not saying that this isn't serious today, but it it's not anything that hasn't been dealt with. And we had presidential elections throughout the 60s. We had presidential elections throughout World War II and before and after the Depression, be, before, during, and after. So, you know, U.S. is very resilient. I've said this before, massively resilient country, the way it's designed. We are resilient in the fact that we can come back with this free market democratic system compared to, say, a socialistic society or a communistic society. When this happens, it's a whole lot more devastating, it seems sure. like. Well, and also I think one of the most beautiful things in our country is just this peaceful passing of power, right? That even in the midst of all of this conflict, we've never had a president who's camped out in the White House past their term, or if they were voted out, they've always left. Now, they may have left you know, making a lot of noise on the way out the door, but they've always walked out and left. And I think one of the the good things about the U.S. government, and I, I know now we're getting a little bit away from finances, but one of the beautiful things about that is like what you said, is that that allows us to be able to mold and change with the times and what we're dealing with. And yeah, I know that we can always look back in the past and say, those were the good old days. Some people would say life was better back when I was younger. And I don't know if that's always so true. I think certain parts of it are better, and I think you can always look in the past and look through your rose-colored glasses at certain things, because I can look back when I was a kid and say, man, life was a lot simpler, but I was also living in your house, Brad, and you were paying the bills, and I was getting to have all my fun in my teen years. Yeah, life was a lot simpler and better, but maybe it's even better now because now I'm living a different life where I'm married and I have a son, and it's a different kind of good. And I think sometimes we just have to realize that even in the midst of all this conflict, 
good may look a little bit different. And seeing things change and being able to mold and have that flexibility to government's huge. And so this all kind of plays into the grand scheme of what it looks like for financial stuff. Because I think there's a lot of people, and I'm going to ask you this question, Brad. I think there's a lot of people who are worried about this election thinking that this may be the end. This is the biggest election in their lifetime is what I've heard people say, which I find kind of interesting because I heard that also in 2016. And I also heard that in 2012. And it seems like every election that we have is the biggest election of their lifetime. But my question for you is, what have been your conversations around the election and around people's feelings when it comes to this stuff? And what are people talking about with their money when it comes in terms of the election? So how many parts to our federal government are there? So there's three branches. I learned that early on. Okay. And so you got the three branches are the judicial, the executive, and the legislative. legislative. So the reason that was designed so that one piece of that puzzle can't control the whole country, right? Absolutely. That was checks and balances. Yep. That's still true today. Hasn't changed a bit. The only thing that's changed from the time they wrote that till now, and this is my opinion, my opinion only, is the media has created all this crap. It still exists. There's still three different branches that control our country. And unless all three of those go rogue at the same time, which is impossible, okay? In our democracy, it's impossible. And if it does happen, then it's game over probably for the United States. So this doom and gloom thing that the news media is presenting, doom and gloom atmosphere that's going on right now is all garbage. It really is garbage because there is the branches that are going to protect us. So anyhow, what was your question again? Because, you know, I got off on my little rant because I'm telling you, it's not doom and gloom. It's a great day. It's the best time ever in history to be alive. If you think about all the great things that we have in this country, I mean, walk around with your phone. How awesome is that? Nobody ever had that 40 years ago, 10 years ago. It wasn't even near what it is today. Even. Sure, sure. And I, and I agree. I think there are some issues. Don't get me wrong. I, and, and I'm going to talk to our listeners who, who may be frustrated with what's going on in the United States. There are definitely issues. Our country isn't perfect. And, and I don't think anyone would tell us that our country is perfect on the outside outside or on the inside. But the reality is, is that we're hopefully, and and in my opinion, we're better than we were 10 years ago. We're better than we were 20 years ago. And we're trying to progress ourselves. Now that's a bumpy and long road because when you're working with hundreds of millions of citizens of the United States, it doesn't happen overnight. And with when, different opinions. With all different, differing opinions, different experiences, different backgrounds of where their family came from and how they've come up. You know, I look at our family, our generations of family have been in the United States for a long, long time. We've been living the American dream um, far beyond just you and I. It was your parents and then your grandparents. And I mean, our, our family's been here. A lot. Some of our listeners, they, they may be coming from families that have only been in the United States for a couple of generations and their lifestyle isn't nearly as the same as those who've been here longer. And so it's just, it's a matter of trying to mold all of that, the big melting pot theory, right? Absolutely. And, that, and trying to mold all that together. It's difficult. Government is not easy. It's messy. It's complicated when you're dealing with lots of people, nothing goes smoothly. So we got to be patient with that. But at the same time, my question to you to go back to what we were asking is I want to know what are our clients saying? What are people that you're talking to when you're talking about money, you're talking about investments, you're talking about retirement plans? What are their biggest concerns? What are they bringing up to you? What are they saying in the office? Well, our, we have a double whammy going on right now, which is the uh, coronavirus and with the presidential election coming up. So the news media is having a heyday. So it's created a lot of emotion, which creates a lot of behavioral issues. 
So uh, most of the time, the conversation begins with, hey, I need to get more conservative because, you know, if my party doesn't win, the market's going to crash. And I'm hearing this from both sides. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do not discuss politics in the room. Okay, when I say in the room, when I'm in meeting with a client, because we have people that are on both sides of that fence. And that's okay. That's what makes America great. And so I'm not going to get into that argument because most of the times you're never going to win those arguments. And we all know that. But yet we still argue, especially on Facebook. So anyhow, the biggest (laughs) behavioral thing I see is that people want to panic right now and go to cash and sit it out. And when it's over, then I'll go back into the market. And so the problem with that is you have to be right two times. I have to time it right to leave and hope I timed it right. And then I got to time it right when I go back in. You have to be right twice. Why not eliminate that? Do you ever think about that? I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, what you're saying, and this is this is the sentiment of the people that you've talked to, but it's actually statistically true. We we have some statistics, and and we'll post these charts. I have this whole article that we'll post in the show notes here. So if you're listening and you want to actually see what I'm talking about, it's kind of hard to visually uh, explain what's going on in a chart. But if you want to see what I'm talking about, you can click the link in our show notes right below the podcast, and that'll allow you to see everything that I'm I'm gonna all the numbers I'm talking about here. But really that's been shown statistically. Uh, in about July of each year before an election, there's a major move of money from stock market investments into cash-style investments. So that would be short-term bonds, things that, you know, money market-style accounts that are going to be very conservative, have almost zero return, um, but they aren't going to have any major, you know, declines when they're in, if the stock market decides to decline. So there's a major move in about July to August range of election years from the stocks to the cash. And so I'm looking at one here. Um, These are just averages from a company that we work with called American Funds. They say that in presidential election years, there's an inflow of about $76 billion into stock market investments, while there's an inflow of $176 billion into cash-style investments. So what they're saying is over $100 billion more goes into cash in that same time frame than stocks right before a presidential election. And it's saying exactly what you're saying. It's really interesting. Because then, on the flip side, the year after the election, so starting from January all the way through the following year after they've decided who the president's going to be, 100 168 billion goes into stock market style of investments and 36 billion goes into cash style investments. So it's exactly what you're saying. People want to get out before the election and they want to get back in after. And they think that's going to help them. And I don't know what your experience has been. Have you ever seen that to be something that's effective with in the clients that you're working with? Well, no, it rarely ever. Now, there is people that get lucky and they brag about how awesome they were, that they knew when to get out, knew when to get back in. There's also people that win money in Vegas, but those are very few. Exactly. So the, the point is you got to be right both times. You got to know when to get out, when to get back in. Let's, let's go back to the last election as an example. 2016. 2016, Hillary versus Donald Trump. They said if Hillary didn't win, the market was going to just go go terribly bad right and if hillary won the market would be good so what happened is uh people priced in that they bailed out people bailed because it was very emotional july august september i remember having many many conversations i gotta get out i gotta get out you know it's it's not gonna be good no matter who wins it was all this crap going on and so then the very next day so those people who went to cash are now sitting in cash The very next day, the market went berserk and went berserk for, what, three months at least. 
it was almost a, I think it was a seven and a half percent jump uh, in the S and P 500 from, and, and I'm just speaking off the top of my head, so I don't know exactly, but it was it was seven plus percent from November to the end of December, a month and a half had almost a full year's stock worth of returns. Yeah. So there you missed that if you went to cash. And then during that period of time, why it's going up, you're still sitting there going, should I go back in or should I not? Is this this fake? Is it going to drop back down? And yeah. then and then I should, then I, I'll just stay where I'm at until they're 100% safe. And that's why that statistics are a year later till people feel like the instability of the market from the election has calmed down. Okay, now I'll get back in. Well, you just missed uh, probably 10 really good months and you didn't make any money and you'll never get that money back that you missed. Right. Now, I I have another interesting chart here and it kind of goes along with what you're saying because I think what a lot of people are worried about is they're saying, oh, well, if XYZ party gets in, if the Republicans get in, oh my gosh, the country is going to go down. If if Donald Trump gets back in there, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We need to get out now because, you know, there's going to be all the social unrest and riots are going to happen and the markets are going to be a mess. And then on the vice versa side, oh, if Biden gets in, he's going to raise taxes, that he's going to cut jobs, he's going to, you know, open up trade again with China and we're going to lose all this, you know, inside money in the United States and all these things are going to happen. It's going to cause our country to collapse economically. And either side of that fence, you go, yeah, there's some merit to those arguments. Yeah, I can logically see how you can come to a conclusion that those things could potentially happen. But the reality is, is that stock markets are highly complex. And actually what they're doing and what they've done for the last six months is they're pricing in advance what they think is going to happen. And so what a lot of people think is that the stock market reacts to what's going on today. And sometimes that's true. The stock market will react if there's brand new news like a coronavirus or you know, if all of a sudden there's news that Apple you know, has some sort of litigation. There's, there's reactions to those types of things. But in general, when there's something off in the distance like a presidential election, the market is already guessing in fact in the price of the stocks, knowing and thinking this is what could potentially happen. This is what could potentially happen. This is what we think the fair price is in the middle of all that. And so going on and saying that, oh, if we get out now, we're going to know exactly how the markets are going to react based off of whoever gets in there is kind of crazy because I can look at a stock market chart. This is a mountain chart that shows from 1933 all the way up to the end of 2018 what the S&P 500 returns have been. So it cuts out some of the last couple years here, but it shows us a very interesting piece of the puzzle because it says, okay, if we look at this, we can see all what what kind of returns have been happening when Democrats were in charge, whether there was a Democratic president or whether there was a Republican president. And we can see that when I look at this chart, it has been up no matter who has been in charge. Now, it up varies in difference, and I'm sure there's going to be some number difference there. But on average, if you were invested through each one of these from 1933 all the way up till 2018, if you put $10,000 in back then, and you held on to that S&P 500 investment all the way through to 2018, you'd have $154 million. That's including all the controversy of the civil rights movement, including all the controversy of uh, you know the Kennedy assassination, all the controversy of what's going on with a pandemic, all these different things that are all priced into there. Yet someone who was in there from the beginning to the end has a massive return. Now, obviously, none of us were alive in 33 and had $10,000 to invest then, so it looks a little different for us. But for us to say that we need to get in and out and time this thing up, it's it's kind of silly because the reality is the long-term return is what really shows up to be the most powerful piece of an investment. Yeah, and don't forget that the um, whole gist of this is the economy. 
It has n- nothing to do with political uh, presidents, for sure, presidents. And remember, we go back to the three-branch system. But the point is that it's the economy that runs it. And James Carver said it many, many times. He's a, an economist, and he has said, it's the economy, stupid. It has nothing to do with who's running for office. It's the economy. If the economy's rolling, things are good. And so some presidents have been lucky enough to get elected during a bad economy. Obama was one of them. He came in right after the uh, great last recession that we had and rode that, got to ride that back up. Makes him look like he did miracles. It had nothing to do with him. It was an economic cycle. Same thing with Trump, where it shot right up. Yes, there might have been an emotional dis- uh, piece at the beginning, but the bottom line is it was a cycle. It was ready to run. The market needed to finish off. We're still kind of, in my opinion, we're still in that bullish world, and we may still see some kind of correction in the next few years. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. But the point is that economic cycles run like economic cycles run. The presidency isn't going to change the economy. The economy changes, especially in the U.S., when 300 uh, what is it? 300 million people in the U.S. Yeah, make a like decision. That. How many people are on the globe? Is it uh, 7 billion? 7 billion people on the globe all have to make decisions on whether the economy is going to be rocking or not. Right. And you can't control any of that by one guy in the White House. It, it's crazy. And and yes, regulations and governments, they, they do play a role in all of this. But here's here's what I will say. And I'll say this once and I'll say it again. I say it to every one of our clients. Apple and Google, and Coke, and Pepsi, they've been through lots of different presidents. And every time a president comes in, they change and they adjust so that their company can continue to grow. They don't care who's in office. Now, they may have a preference of who they want because it might benefit their company more or less. But in the grand scheme of things, they look at it and say, all right, we have Donald Trump. So with Donald Trump, this is our strategy. All right, we have Joe Biden. This is our strategy. No company is going to see a president go into office and say, all right, well, that was the president that we didn't want in there. Guess we better lock up our doors and quit trying. It's just silly. That's not how an economy works. And so we need to keep that in mind that regardless of who goes into office, our behavior needs to be we're long-term investors. We're not investing for the next six months. We're investing for the next six years. We're not investing for the next 12 months. We're investing for the next 12 years. We're looking at long-term goals. And now I always hear this argument with some of our retirees, you know, our, our retirees who may be in their late 60s, early 70s, even some of them in their early 80s who are like, well, I don't have 10 years to look ahead. Well, then do you plan on spending all of your money in the next three to five years, the next two years, however long you think you're going to live? Do you plan on spending all your money or do you plan on gifting that as an inheritance to your kids? Because they have the next 10 to 20 years. And so we have to think long term with our investments every single time. If we get caught up in the short term stuff, we end up making mistakes. I actually have another piece on this chart that shows us a really interesting investment mix. And so what it is, is it's three different scenarios. Scenario number one is if someone had $10,000 and they stay fully invested the whole time through an entire election cycle. So from beginning to end, they keep their money in the market. And this is based off the S&P 500. But if they leave their money in the market from beginning to end, they will have a certain experience. Then there's another one that says, if we make consistent contributions, some of you guys are still working, you're making 401k contributions, you don't have maybe a large lump sum in there, but you're continuing to put in a dollar. So for this consistent contributions one, they're saying if you had $10,000 that you put in over an entire election cycle, what would be the returns there and what that would that look like? And then there's a third scenario. 
What if you take your money out early before the election and you sit on the sidelines and you wait until after the election to put it back in? So these are all different runnings and what they look like and how that goes. Here's the interesting thing. Out of 22 time periods, the fully invested person, they have the best outcome, which means they get the best returns compared to the other two. Out of, out of those, they get the best outcome 14 out of 22 times. That means if you stay fully invested over half the time, you are the, are the winner in all this. You get the, you get the best returns compared to the other two options. Now, they get the worst outcome six out of 22 times. Okay, so yeah, there is a time frame where staying fully invested isn't the best option, but I'm going to take my odds and say I'd rather have 14 out of 22 be the best and six out of 22 be the worst and fall somewhere in the middle in those other ones and those other two options. Now, in the consistent contributions ones, which is really interesting, the average return stays about the same. They're not normally the best option, but they've never been the worst option in the outcome of those different three. And in the sidelines one, this is the one that stays the most interesting, is that if you pull your money out and you sit on the sidelines and wait until after the election to get back in, three out of 22 times, you had a better return than the other two options. So three out of 22, that is a very low percentage. And then on the other side of it, 16 out of 22 times, you have the worst results comparatively. So you look at this, you go, being fully invested gives you a huge benefit to stay invested through that whole time. And Consistent contributions is good too. Those two options are viable options to do through an election period because those are long-term strategies. Sitting on the sidelines is like what you say, Dad. It's the mix of saying, this is trouble. This is I have to be right on when to get out and when to get in. And that's a dangerous play because now I have to be right two times on something that I am guessing at. I am throwing darts in the dark at a board. It is a dangerous game. It's easier and more beneficial statistically to stay fully invested through the whole thing in the controversy and ride it out. Yeah. And if you think about the ones who do bail and try to time it, are the losers, in this case, these numbers are very clear that uh, the worst case scenario, 16 out of 22 times, uh, historically, that's uh, that's a loser. That's the worst loser. Mm -hmm. So the winners are the ones who stay the course, the ones who stay through it. We are the winners. We'll, we're the ones that make money, and we take money basically from the people who bail. Right Now, there's always the guy out there, and I just had one not very long ago, who told me, that in January of this year, he knew the coronavirus was going to be so serious, the market was going to crash, he bailed out. And then as soon as the market hit its bottom, now this is, he's telling me this, and I don't know the guy very well, but I, I, he's an acquaintance. And he said, at the end of March, I got back in. He says, I made all my money back plus a little, and then I cashed back out. This was at the beginning of September, just before September was ugly, right? So he's telling me this a couple of weeks ago. So this guy hey, should write a book. It oh, I'm like. telling you. So he's now sitting in cash and he's waiting until after the election. Now, whether that's a true story or not, I don't know the guy very well. I just talked to him because he's a distant neighbor in my neighborhood. But the point is that. If that is true, he got lucky. And if he isn't true, then he's a big BSer, which a lot of people are. Do you ever get those kind of stories when they come in your office I've and heard, meet with you? I've heard many, many of fish stories, you know, that, you know, the first time they say it, oh, the fish was this big. Hey, hey, now, don't pick on And then the next time they say it, the fish was even bigger. And this is maybe a few months or a few years after he told the story the first time. And then the next time, the fish is even bigger. And before you know it, he caught himself a world prize marlin. And so you can say the same thing about stock market stuff. In hindsight, 
they can always say that I made, you know, 10% when the markets were down. And you go, well, really? Because I don't know if you can verify that. I don't see any proof of that. You can say whatever you want to say. Well, I had 100000 Now it's worth 200000 Well, did you add money? Did it really happen that way? Do you have 200000 Or are you in some sort of annuity product that tells you that you have 200000 in your income value and your actual accumulation values? There's all kinds of different ways to spin what your finances are. The reality is, is that statistics don't lie. And this is where I'm at with this. Statistics don't lie. They don't give us a clear direction to say, this is the way to go. This is a... Investing, there's no 100% foolproof option. The best we can do is say, based off of what we see in these statistics, this has been the most successful route. And the most successful route is that we stay fully invested for a long period of time. That's what works for the majority of people. Will there be outliers? Absolutely. There always is. Are those outliers going to consistently win every time? No. And we can see that if you look at the list of different mutual funds and money managers out there, the turnover rate on how many mutual funds die out every year because they go bankrupt or they decide to change the fund or they change the strategy is ridiculous. But the ones who have been in there for long, long periods of time that would say that we are top performing mutual funds, they don't exist for much longer than 10 years. Most of them don't last for 10, 20 years. And when they do, boy, do they get the spotlight. But the reality is most of the time, it's all based off of luck. And the ones that stay around and have the most consistent returns, those are the ones that are always in the middle of the pack. Those are the ones that are the true blues. And if you stay there fully invested through long periods of time, you're going to see those returns. Now, we can't guarantee future stuff, but what I can say is that statistics are our best friend in this battle. Yeah, I'll use an example of a friend of mine, two different friends I'll use. One is uh, a friend of mine, and when we used to golf, he, would, uh, he wouldn't hit the ball real hard, but he would hit it straight right down the middle of the course, right? Boom, boom, boom. And my other buddy could just whack the ball forever. But he was a little, he was an outlier every once in a while. So that ball would go clear over in the woods. It would be all over the place. And they were both very good golfers, but one had distance with a little bit of a wild pitch. The other guy was straight and consistent, even though they weren't near as far hitting the ball, no matter where he was at. But he always came out, I won't say always, I'm going to say more than not, he was the winner every time we golfed because he was just this consistent little guy that would just beat the ball nice and persistent. And the rest of us are out trying to kill it. We're trying to, you know, do little tricks or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's very similar to that. You know, Absolutely. it's the consistency, the normalcy of just being normal all the time. Don't let the stuff around you get you excited when you see the you know, the pond and you think you got to get over the pond or short of the pond. You know, you just got to think through all those little different scenarios. Very and, similar. And we talked about this in our last episode, right? We talked about how the consistency of returns in a retirement plan are sometimes more important than hitting the home runs. Yeah. Isn't it great when you get to sit down at the dinner table or you sit down at the, at the lunch table at work and you say, man, I got a 30% return this year. I am just absolutely slaying it. Yeah, that's great. I love talking about that. I love sitting down. My favorite reviews are the years when the markets are just absolutely slaying. And I say, look how much money you've made. That's a great conversation. But the fact is, like what we talked about in our last episode, is that consistency is really what matters most in long-term retirement plans. And so when you're starting to draw income, we got to be careful that we're not just trying to hit home runs every time. And this is a baseball analogy, too. The baseball players will talk about this. Sometimes it's better to just hit a single into into center field right over second base than it is to try to swing for the fence every time. And so these are the things you have to take into consideration. Now, 
we're talking about behavior, right? And I know we're talking a lot about politics and we're talking about statistics and all these numbers. Really, it comes down to what I'm trying to plead to is your logic. As a listener, your logic is the thing that I'm trying to plead to. And the hard part is, is that when I plead to logic, it is very difficult to make someone change their mind based off of logic when it comes compared to emotion. And what does the news media do but get people all riled up? Well, they magnify the emotional piece of your brain, that's for sure. Right. The news media and the people around you and and when you hear stories, those are emotional things where it's like, well, how come, you know, now I got my greed factor in there? How come so-and-so made more than me? That's not fair. Or I have my fear factor in there. Well, how come I lost so much? You know, these types of things, it's hard to combat that emotional side of things. And I will give you a piece of advice. One of the things that I've learned is as we go through some of the different trainings that we have as advisors and as business leaders and stuff like that, one of the things that they tell you is that your emotional intelligence, your EQ, is your number one indicator of long-term success. Predictable success is your EQ, your emotional intelligence. And it's a bigger predictor of success than your IQ, meaning doesn't matter how smart you are, if you know yourself and your emotions, you will be more successful than the people who don't know themselves and their emotions. And so sometimes when we talk about all this logical stuff, sometimes you have to sit down and look and go, okay, well, this conversation is rubbing me the wrong way. I don't like how they're talking about politics. I think that they're wrong. I think that if so-and-so gets in office, our country is going to go downhill, and I need to make sure that I don't go downhill with our country's economy, and I want to get out of the market. You have to check yourself and go, Why do I feel that way? What is it inside of me that's causing that? And you need to call yourself out on the carpet and say, well, I'm afraid because I don't think I'm going to be able to retire. I don't think I'm going to be able to provide for my family. I don't, whatever it is, fill in the blank for you. But you have to take that moment to just reflect and say, what is it that's making me feel the way that I'm feeling? And it's really interesting that once you start asking that question and you identify that question, You're able to take yourself out of that emotion and actually analyze it from a reasonable and distant, objective point of view. You can look at it and go, oh, wait, I feel this way because I'm worried about my family. And now I can look at the logic and say, oh, the statistics show that I don't actually have to be worried about this. But you personally, the listener, has to be able to say, I'm willing to take the step to say, why? Why do I feel this way? What is causing me to feel this way and why? Because that is one of the most important questions when it comes to your behavior and investing and your finances and all sorts of your life is why am I feeling this way? Yeah, behavior is the number one issue in more things than just investing, right? I mean, investing, it's critical that we help control behavior. And I think that is our main job as a as an advisor. That's got to be the hardest job. And um We have to keep people under control. And if they don't listen, then we sometimes we have to set them free, right? I mean, if you're not going to listen to your advisor, why are you paying us to be your advisor? So when we tell you to stay the course, we mean stay the course. If we tell you to bail, we hope that you bail. Although, you know, there's very few reasons to bail ever. But these are things that we deal with constantly. It's it's once the election's over, there's going to be something else that comes along. And then there's going to be something else that comes along. There's going to be something else that comes along all your life, forever, ever, and ever. So if you don't get a grip on the behavior now, you're never going to be a happy investor. And a happy investor is a happy person in life, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's that's good advice to kind of wrap this up on is because we want to make sure as your advisor or um, if we're not your advisor, that if you have an advisor, that you're having these conversations because this question is key. Am I aware of why I feel the way I feel and why am I making the decisions I'm making? Am I making them based off of logic, off of facts, or am I making them based off of emotions, based off of feelings, based off of stories that I've heard? Because there's plenty of evidence that shows that we make a lot of them. Most of our decisions are made from emotions. They're made from our feelings, and that and we go there regardless of the facts that we hear. And if we're not questioning our emotions and looking at the facts, we're going to make poor decisions. And finances is one of the biggest decisions. Retirement is one of the biggest decisions where we're quick to make an emotional decision that could have long-term detrimental effects on you. I've worked with enough clients to see that when they bail out because of emotional situations and they miss the upside, that it can affect how long it takes for them to retire. We're talking about a decision that you make for six months could have an effect over multiple years, two, three, four years it could have to make yourself get back to where you were because you made a detrimental decision. And so you need to trust the logic and the statistics. And yes, we still need to have our gut feelings. We still need to ask those questions, but we need to trust our logic and statistics over our feelings when it comes to our money. Yeah. And the investing process has been statistically run through the mill over and over and over. So stay the course, period. It's that simple. Just stay the course. Stay the course. I know it sounds like a broken record and I've heard some of our clients say, go, well, you just say that because you don't want us want to lose our investments. You don't want us to pull our money right. out. Right. Yeah. That's I have to laugh because I say, no, that's not true because personally, I'll tell you, I'm still invested. And I tell this to all of our clients. I have not moved my money out because of the election. I trust the process of what we're doing. I know I've removed myself from the emotions of this election, which are highly emotional in my household. There's lots of different conversations being thrown around between my wife and I and our families. This is a highly emotional time for us. But I still look at our investments and I go, it doesn't mean that I have to make an emotional decision on my investing. And so regardless of what your advisor is saying, they may be saying, stay the course, stay in the market. You may have these you know, articles that you read that says, don't pull out. And you're going, well, don't, they only say this for you know, their own benefit. That's not true. We really are saying it because of the statistical information that's out there. It is the best way to get long-term consistent returns is to stay fully invested and not try to time the market. It's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. I heard somebody say that. It's kind of catchy. Excellent. I like that. So to wrap things up, we appreciate you guys listening. We have one more of these uh, retire ASAP process hurdles that we're talking through. We have one more and we will release that here. Uh, we have a few weeks break. It'll be the first week in November when you get us on our next podcast. So the first week in November, first Thursday is when you'll get the final piece of the puzzle when it comes to the retire ASAP process. Um, if you're looking to do some more research, you can always go back into our archive. All of our episodes are archived so that you can listen to them uh, at any time. You can download them on your podcast app, on your Apple, iTunes. If you're listening on your desktop, you can download those on your phone. That's um, a great way to take them with you. I listen to all of my podcasts when I travel in the car. It's one of the best ways to do it. It's one of my favorite things about the commute is I always have something interesting to hear that isn't the same old five country songs that are on the local radio here. Yeah. <laughs> now, hey, you know another thing I was oh, going to bring. Up? I am interested. I'll go ahead and finish what you were saying. Well, I, just to finish it up, what we what we do want um, from you guys is if you could leave a rating or a review on whatever app you're using. If you're using Spotify, 
or Apple, iTunes, whatever it is, can you leave us a rating or review? Five stars and a review gives us a little bit more exposure because the more ratings and reviews we have, the more people see us when they're searching for a retirement or finance podcast. If you feel like this is a helpful podcast, let us know. If you don't feel like it's helpful, give us a one-star review. Give us some critiques. I'd be happy to bring it up in our next episode if we see something like that. I'm not opposed to talking about that stuff. So just leave us a review. Let us know how you're feeling about all those things. Now, what do you got to say? Yeah, give us a five uh, star review because uh, us boys, uh, I think we said in our last podcast, we were going on vacation. We're going to do some fishing. And the uh, Taylor and I got kicked by the girls pretty bad in the fishing world. Uh, My wife caught a a bigger fish than my dad and I combined. That's terrible. I can't be letting this kind of stuff happen. And your sister, which is my daughter, caught two of the big red fish as well. Not as big as Tori's. And Taylor and I got little ones, and then we caught a lot of these trout. So we caught a lot of fish. It's just us guys did not dominate. So we need we need a confidence builder by you guys hitting a five-star on this. I'm glad that you need the confidence builder. I personally believe that we were just, you know, we're bringing chivalry back. We allowed the, the girls to, you know, take the front seat, catch the big fish, make them feel good about their fishing experience, because you and I are such master fishermen that we don't need that kind of, you know, padding of our ego. Yeah, I didn't even put my line in. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. Oh, yeah, the total reality is they just kicked our butts out there on we the water. We got smoked by the women. And the captain let us know, boy, did he did he rub it in too. It was good, but it was All a good day. time. But anyway, leave us a five-star review. We'd love to do, uh, hear from you guys. Uh, if you have any questions, whether it's about maybe your own portfolio, your own retirement plan, you can let us know. If you click the Schedule Now button on our website, fikeadvisors.com, you can click the schedule now. It's in the top right corner. You can schedule a free 20-minute appointment, phone call, in person, however you want to do it. You can schedule an appointment with us. We'd be happy to sit down and talk about any of your situations, see if we can help you along the way. All of our other resources are on our website. I talked about this at the beginning of the episode. We, we talked about our early retirement map. It's actually called Your Early Retirement Map. You can download that ebook for free. All you have to do, click the link, give us your email. We'll drop the email in your inbox with the book. It's a great way to get yourself started. It's a four-part checklist to your early retirement. So it's really easy, simple questions for you to go through and check the boxes on so you can get yourself set up for an early retirement. You don't even need us. If you follow that checklist to a T, you may not even need an advisor. So that may be something that some of you guys are looking for. Download that book at uh, our website. If you go to our homepage, www.fikeadvisors.com, it should be right there in front of you. You can click the link and download that for free. Okay, I think I got all the housekeeping stuff out of the way. Don't forget, Financial Yoga is here to save the day. So if you need a little help, give me a call or give us an email. We'll go from there. Yeah, he's always got to get his yoga in there. So, all right, guys. Yoga. Hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll see you guys at the beginning of November. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.